The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here on CRTV and The Blaze. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. And we'd love to know what you think about what we think. So let us know. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And you need to know too, I mean, you can use it to complain, but it's it's not just, it's not only, it's not only a complaint department. You know, there can be some like, I don't know, constructive feedback, questions, uh, your opinions on our opinions. You know, it could be that, you know. It doesn't just have to be a complaint department. The last couple of days it has been. And I'm not frustrated. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We're going to continue here today with our orientation week on the Steve Dace Show, sort of Steve Dace Show 101. We're going to teach you how we believe to win the battle of hearts and minds. It's what we call three-dimensional thinking. Also, a lot of fun we do every Wednesday. We play buy, sell, or hold, and that means we could talk on a myriad, a plethora, a cornucopia. I'll throw in another adjective, but I can't think of one. A lot of different topics. We'll go with that. Uh, it could come up at some point here later on today. But first, we begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by reason number 3,985, why sweet meteor Odeth let us down. Elizabeth Warren disappointed after DNA test shows zero trace. Great, now I can go after Horseface and her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. She will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me. A total con. It's a sad day in America when the President of the United States calls a woman a horseface. Donald Trump should be ashamed of himself. I don't care if you're on the right, the left, or the center. No man should call a woman a horse face, especially the President of the United States. I have two daughters. I think it's a disgrace. I don't care what your political persuasion is. Meanwhile, coming to a border near you, another convoy of illegal immigrants. Republicans must make the horrendous, weak, and outdated immigration laws and the border a part of the midterms. Maybe maybe you should stop signing Cromney buses until they actually, you know, do something. KMSP-TV in Minneapolis is reporting two GOP officials in the state said they were attacked in separate incidents over the weekend. State Rep Sarah Anderson said she confronted a man for stealing a yard sign when he charged at her. Roseanne's character was killed off in the reboot of the show via opioid overdose. Yes, really. Also, headlines that could only be from the year 2018. Biological male wins world championship in women's cycling. 
Oh, by the way, Facebook has been lying about video view numbers. If you missed it today, it was confirmed that Facebook massively and knowingly inflated its video view statistics, which had the direct consequence of 90% of media organizations firing writers in favor of expensive video producers, who also got fired when it turned out video was worthless. That information is derived from an unsealed suit against the tech giant. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. Boy, an awful lot to unpack there. And and let's do these uh, in reverse order, because I actually think uh, it, it might be the last thing Aaron addressed in his montage that, uh, that deserves uh, the most substance. And I think it's probably something that's going to go largely undiscussed by a lot of our peers uh, in uh, conservative media today. Uh, and that's the Facebook story. So we had a discussion with our audience on this show, what was that, about a month or so ago, uh, when they started banning Alex Jones and certain political ads and things of that nature. And, you know, you had Republicans like Kevin McCarthy, who's a total rhino, but he's trying to, uh, you know, out flank Jim Jordan to be the next leader of the Republicans in January after Paul Ryan's re retirement comes into effect, essentially jumping on, glomming on to this issue, if you'll recall, guys talking about, well, you know, we need the government to come in and, and police these social media platforms. And some in our audience got a little upset at us because we were not down with that clown. We kind of thought that the same government funding fascism on college campuses uh, where they're literally just shutting Christians and conservatives down and yet we're handing these uh, universities massive subsidy checks to do this, to practice fascism. Maybe that's not the route to go for the protection of free speech. And I, I go back to one of the things we talk about in our show. Hey, remember it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. Do you want to set a precedent that government's going to do something now when your guys are in charge, that you're okay with their guys using against you when they're running the show, right? So we had this big conversation, and one of the, one of the alternative solutions that came up was the government um, essentially characterizing or identifying Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, like media corporations, because if they want to get into the editorial business, if they want to say, your commentary we don't want to have to carry. And that's okay. That means you're editorializing now. Well, that means libel laws, slander laws, malpractice, you know, the, the, the sorts of things that, you know, journalistic entities are subjected to every single day. You're now subjected to those exact same things as well. Because on one hand, we're kind of giving these social media giants the best of both worlds, where they're not regulated, uh, like the, the same way we would another media corporation. But they're, they're, they're acting as if they have the power, if not more, because they have bigger audiences than any other media corporation. Uh, they're, they're acting as if they are. Now I think, though, we're, 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 we're delving into an area of what's come out from this unsealed deposition, from, uh, from this suit. If this is true, now all of us here, to some degree, are conservatives, all three of us. We've never really tested the boundaries of what that looks like. Like, you know, how... how how libertarian are we in certain areas? Uh, none of us here are anarchists. We believe there is a role for government. That's the old William Penn line. If men were angels, we would need government, right? There is a, there is a place for it. You know, we, we do want to see the police show up 
when the bad guys invade our home or come after us. We do want to see the police come up, arrest them. We, we do want to see a judge pronounce them guilty. We do want to see government take them to a prison, or if, if it's heinous enough of a crime, execute them, right? We, we do want to see government act in these areas, correct? Yes. Okay. So if we're talking now about fl- – this is malfeasance. I mean, we're talking about fraud. Yeah, right? that yes. was the word that was in my mind. Don't we already yep. have laws for that? Yeah, I think this is now an area where we're not talking. Are we are we approaching an area with these social media giants and Facebook in particular? We're now we are in an area where we have to ha- because human nature is not basically good. We don't believe in big government on our show because big government needs what to what to run. What does need big? Can big government run itself? No. So it needs more people to, 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 more government needs more people to run it, right? Correct. Those people, are they saints or sinners? Sinners. Sinners. And so therefore, more, more government means more what? More sinners. More sinners means we get more what? More sin. This is why, as the great prophet uh, Biggie Smalls once said, more money, more problems. Okay? So if you ever wondered why, well, you know, I live in the country and, and there's not as much immorality as there are in the cities. Well, what do you have more of in the cities? People. people and that means you're going to have more what immorality immorality <laughs> that's what it means all right they make plenty of meth and they do human trafficking out in the country guys just because you live your your area code and zip code does not exempt you from the human condition that's that's not how this works that's not how any of this works all right so um we are though in an area where we're for limited government, not zero government, because we, if we have to have some government, because people are sinners. So it, it's like porridge. It's got to be just right, Goldilocks, right? You can't, you can't have big government, because big government means we've got more people, and more people bring their sins, and you get more government, you'll get more sinfulness. But we can't have any government, because if we have no referee whatsoever, if there's no entity to keep the peace whatsoever, when it's just human nature on human nature, what do you get? Sin times sin equals sin. sin. And so there's got to be a limited government that fits within certain boundaries and paradigms that understands its role is to protect and defend our God-given rights, right? Yes. So when our God-given rights are imposed upon by another, that's called a crime. That crime could be violent. It could be civil or fraudulent. But that's what happens here. Are we getting into, gentlemen, are we with with this with stories like this? Are we getting into the place now, where our uncomfortability with the expansion of government is replaced by this is a necessary place for government to come in and punish an evildoer? What do you think, Todd? Well, I don't know for government to come in offensively just like that, but we uh, in any new way aren't there? Like I said, there's already laws on the books about fraud. Mm-hmm. Why? Why isn't there a a, a private um, lawsuit readily at hand from the very journalism industries, by the way, that became drunk on this? Uh, clicks, 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 relying on this sort of ethos. Trust me, we when I was at the Des Moines Register for twelve years, we hitched our wagons to this. It's part of the reason I and many others no longer work there because we were uh, viewed as expendable because of this new wave. Where are uh, the private lawsuits? Uh, I mean, this, there's a uh, also lawsuits uh, for libel, uh, for slander. These aren't these aren't directly related for that, but a scam was perpetrated. 
That's what this was. It doesn't take any... Am I missing something? Does it take any new government intervention along these no, lines? No, that's... That, what, and that's where we're not... I'm not advocating for new government. No, I don't... I I'm, know you I'm asking you this an area of existing enforcement, I guess is a better way I could have put that. Would you argue that the answer is yes or no? What do you think? Is this an area for existing enforcement? Yeah. So then... But then there needs to be an aggrieved party that presses charges, essentially. Correct. Right? And... Who is where, where is that? Is well, that what you're asking? Like I said, uh, it, it, journalism, uh, I think, uh, uh, has a, a leg to stand on. A uh, a uh, public um, of the um, where they bring many parties together. Uh, like a class, a class action, action a class action yeah. lawsuit yeah. Uh, uh, could be at hand. You know, any number of things. Uh, but considering the fraudulent lawsuits made up by guys like uh, Avenetti that we just saw for mm-hmm. any number of reasons. I've got to think there's some legit lawyers like here seeing the gaping problem with this that can go get it. See, at first, Aaron, I, I was kind of sympathetic to Zuckerberg because I remember in the 90s, and you don't because you were too young, but I remember in the 90s when the progressives went after Bill Gates originally. Basically, and he went after Bill Gates because uh, he was better at this than um, all of his competitors, and he took him out, and they didn't like that. And he was apolitical in the 90s. Now, he's not anymore. He's got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He's kind of a junior Warren Buffett. He's funding progressive causes across the ideological spectrum. And and the reason why is what I'm saying, I believe anyway, is what I'm saying right now. He just wanted to run a business. He kind of had the, you know, what's Clay Travis's book that he's out right now that's it's named after Michael Jordan's line about why he wasn't political as an NBA player. And he said, because Republicans buy sneakers too, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what Clay Travis is calling it, called his latest book addressing this. That was kind of the way Bill Gates operated in the 90s as, as as as, um, as Microsoft was soaring to the top of the of the heap among the tech giants, is he was like, we're just here to you know sell, create new technologies, sell it, turn a profit, and make money. And he was really apolitical. And after the way they went after him in the '90s, he's gotten increasingly political as, as the years have gone on. He's essentially, you know, we talk about progressivism being a heresy of the age. I mean, Bill Gates is essentially tithing now. That's what he's doing. Yes. I mean, he's, he's funding progressive political causes. He's tithing to the state as, as if you would a church in order uh, to gain favor. It's like one of my favorite scenes in The Sopranos when I was, I think it's Paulie that goes to his parish priest and he's like, Have, why are you confronting me for my sin? Haven't I donated enough for the renovation of this parish to make up for my sinfulness? And the priest is like, uh, we appreciate your donations, but it doesn't. Uh, you have us confused with the bank. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's not how this works. You don't get to donate your way out of out of hell. Okay, but that's essentially what Bill Gates has done, really, since they went after him in the '90s. And I kind of saw the same playbook being run at Mark Zuckerberg. And and that's why I predicted what would happen is he would follow. We had remember that we had this conversation about a year ago. He would follow Bill Gates' playbook. And we would be the ones getting punished now. He would throw, because of the Cambridge Analytica thing and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, he'd throw us under the bus in order for the progressives to get government off of his back, okay? So I was a little, as a capitalist, I was a little sympathetic to him for a while. But now you're talking about, these these aren't regular practices of competition in business here. This is a form of a fraud, Aaron. So is this the point now where we say government enforce the law? I, I think we are approaching that point if what is being alleged is true from that um, unsealed suit uh, against Facebook. Uh, this is fraud. I, I think this is a, maybe even a separate issue from 
the free speech issue. And I think when we, as conservatives, when we look at this issue surrounding Facebook, we have to look at Facebook as an entity instead of the individual content that is published as well. I think because once we get into the content that's published, you want to give the government veto power over what is said mm -hmm. on which platform. So you have to look at look at it as a platform as a whole. And the question that I'd, I'd kind of throw out there as well, and I may be showing my backside with a little bit of stupidity as well with this, um, are we at the point as well when it comes to uh, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat is is pretty big. Uh, some of there are really just a handful, and really Facebook is the King Kong in the room. Yeah. Um, are we getting into uh, again? I, I don't want to show my backside of stupidity here. Are we getting into antitrust areas where that's they a, that's where I, they have? I, I think a, that's a viable question. Starting to have a monopoly or a duopoly. Maybe that's not the wrong – because of the content, because of what they do, maybe it's just better and more profitable to talk about them as a publisher. But when they have so much power, I don't know that – I don't know that you can make the case that this is just this is just an okay. This is just the market working itself out because really everything does kind of run through and from Facebook and Alphabet as well. We can have that conversation too. If we're going to have an antitrust conversation, we need to have it about Alphabet and Amazon um, when we talk about this as well. But as far as sp social media in particular, I, I think we're getting close to those conversations. Well, it, it's more than that. We've talked about this before. Uh, you, you, people, conservatives say private business, it can do whatever it wants to. Well, yes and no. Uh, it is a private business, but it is a private business that is become the open market. It, it, is, the, it is the town square where you talk about things. It is a, it is a fundamental First Amendment issue. And this is why I mentioned the notion of slander. This And this is where uh, also uh, class action lawsuits come in. Steve, you've lamented many times, I think you did on the first day of this sh show with The Blaze, about how your Facebook, you've got like an additional nine friends. In two or years. So, in two years. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, they are inflating purposefully video footage of of uh people on the opposite side of the political spectrum that they no doubt like I'm glad you that's that a up. slander of yeah, yeah, you yeah. and other conservatives yeah. if they so well they're not growing but look at all these people and there's all sorts of anecdotal stories as well and it's really hard because the the algorithms are all proprietary and so we don't know how don't they know. do what they do right. uh, but there's all sorts my sister was just telling me this weekend you know what i haven't seen Matt Walsh or Ben Shapiro or Steve Dace in my timeline for a while. But you know what I have been seeing is advertisements for an organization that I don't follow or never have mm -hmm. for uh, abortion providers. That's mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's so, all sorts so of So they're lying. Jokes. If you're selling cupcakes that are really, really good to people you like, but cupcakes filled with dirt to other people, that you can that's prosecutorial. You can I, prosecute I, that. I believe as a conservative, you can do business with whomever you want, provided you're not violating their God-given rights. In the choice that you're making, yeah, okay. You, I don't believe you can do business however you want. That's exactly uh, the free, point. Free, free, free association does not mean though. I, I may, I may have the freedom to choose to whom I want, I wish to associate. I don't have the freedom to choose how I choose to associate. Meaning, if I don't want to do business with you. That's one thing. I can't then just end your yes. life because I don't want to do business Absolutely. with you. So there's freedom of association, not freedom of the method of disassociating. Yes. Those are two different things. I'm glad that you guys brought up the Facebook view thing because what we did a concert, what CRTV did is they started a Facebook watch page for me earlier this year. I, I think we launched it, was around March. We, we launched yeah, that in late the spring. February, early March. It was around spring. All right. And so. Uh, in the last, so it's, we're going on seven months. We've had this page. Yep. Would you say that? Okay. We've had, is, are we about 30,000 subscribers? 30,000 uh, followers. Yeah. All right. So that page has added. It was launched seven months ago. 
And it, and what's funny is I've even joked about this on the air. And because when and then when I read this this law about this lawsuit today, all of a sudden the math starts to yeah. starts fitting. No, because I've been at, how many times have I asked on our, on our show? Explain to me how an entirely new page. An entirely new page where we now have to have people go to a separate place to get this content, which they always tell you not to do, right? They always tell you with the online marketing thing, you want to keep people on that page as long as you possibly can. Keep them right there. They don't, not too many click-throughs because then they get bored, right? We, that's, all, that's all we hear is you want to hold their attention as long as possible. Okay, so Facebook forces CRTV to start an entirely new Facebook watch page for me. In seven months, it gets 30,000 followers from nothing. And yet my pre-existing Facebook page that has been up and in the same place for since we, we, I launched into national media seven years ago has in the last two years, and I'm not kidding you, it has like a net nine new likes in yeah. two years. That doesn't make any sense, no, does it? Because Facebook is slandering. Well, and now we know they're, they're, they're trying to create this proprietary product to compete with YouTube. And so what's happening is they're getting people with pre-existing brands. My, this is, again, a theory of mine would be my guess. They're getting people with pre-existing brands. They're saying, hey, start, don't go over to YouTube anymore. Come over here, okay? The algorithms are all very favorable in order to get you to host your videos with Facebook instead of YouTube or and Periscope. They bought them. That, you know, that's, so that's not even a competitor that exists anymore. And so they inflate those views. See where I'm going with this? This begins to connect some dots about this question just about anecdotally. We've been asking about our own show that we just couldn't figure out. How could a totally new thing add 30,000 followers on a separate page in seven months, but in two years, my pre-existing page that we promote? How many times have I mentioned it already on this show? At least twice. I mentioned it already today. We're 21 minutes into the show. It gets mentioned four or five times every day on every... I was on Westwood One, CRTV, Salem Radio Network. These are some of the biggest media platforms. Now the Blaze. These are some of the biggest media platforms on the right. And I've and I have you guys been here a day that I haven't mentioned? Go to my Facebook page and yeah. like it. Have you been here a day since you worked here? Nope. And yet I've added nine likes, nine net likes in two years. But this whole new page over here that's just video views adds 30,000 followers in seven months. What sense does that make? None. Just to your, just to, com- let's, that, you know, we wrote, I wrote today about Bill Maher trying to get common, trying to get the left to, his fellow friends on the left to see common sense again. Forget all the terms, algorithms, all the stuff, just common sense. If you were starting a new business, would it be harder to have that business go from zero to 30,000 customers in seven months or have a pre-existing brand with some popularity add 10 customers to an already existing six-figure customer base in two years? What would be the easier sell, do you think, if you were looking to invest in a business? The ladder. The ladder. Money always follows money. Success breeds success. It doesn't make any sense unless they're doing what, what's in your montage here. And that's the only way this makes sense if they're doing that. And if they're doing that, see, they have such a stranglehold now on your ability to get information. Yep. This is Even if Microsoft was guilty of everything the left accused them of in the 90s, the difference is you could still go out and create another operating system. They are, they are the platform force an operating system to get to you. And, and the amount of data and information they have collected on everybody already makes creating a competitor to them very difficult and problematic because that's something Microsoft didn't have 
when Windows was taking over the world in 1996. The amount of personal data and everything they have, like even with Amazon, if you don't do business with Amazon, you can still go to Barnes and Noble. You well, can still buy everything at Amazon someplace see, else. See, this is why I brought up Amazon though, and and Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. Um, Amazon Web Services. Do you know how many websites they actually run? That's that's true. Uh, Amazon yeah. Web Services and Google as well. Alphabet, the same company that's just fine with helping out the regime in China uh, suppress free speech on the internet over there. Is uh, they they control a lot of crap as well. And so the, oh, those three that that triumvirate there that is. That is really, really dangerous. And I think the, the conversation needs to broad, broaden to all three of those companies, if you ask me. You know, in my next book, Truth Bombs, I have this roundtable of conservative le- thought leaders. Glenn Beck's in there. Ben Shapiro's in there and several others. Uh, and and talking to them about, you know, what the state of our movement is and where it's going in the future. And I think it was Shapiro that really highlighted the danger of the dominance Facebook and social media has about which voices get heard and by whom, and that there's right now no other way around that whatsoever. And that's why, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable, as Aaron made the distinction of the government saying that you have to carry ideological content. When Barack Obama was in charge, does any would you did you guys want Barack Obama telling us what what guests we could have on and what opinions no. and what what we what facts we had to share is do we want him playing no. referee? But if we're getting into an antitrust area now, we're talking about what happened with Ma Bell when you and I were kids, right? When they when they broke those up and because they had a a monopoly, but uh, but that was just based off of the service. That wasn't Ma Bell saying, we're going to decide who gets a phone number, right? right? We're going to decide which calls get to your house. We broke up Ma Bell 30, 40 years ago when you and I were kids for far less than what we're talking about with Facebook right now, right? Yeah, and and more controversial reasons, quite frankly. I don't think what we're discussing is once we, and that's what's great about the show. You just saw live us putting our, our principles to work and realizing that there Trying are to do the math in real philosophical time. Right. sides to both, but now uh, giving people as much of a benefit of the doubt as they can, but then connecting the dots. There's nothing controversy about this anymore, Steve. A fraud is being perpetuated against conservatives, plain and simple. Could this be an area, if we're right about this, could this be an area where in the past there might have been a lot of unity uh, where we might have had the Venn diagram that doesn't exist anymore between the right and the left would cross over where now we may not where maybe leftists are thinking we'd kind of like to have one consolidated yeah, entity decide where the information goes that we can intimidate via government. Because it used to be that the left were liberal. Uh, right. Now the left is leftist. What do you think about that, Todd? Well, yeah, of course, but that's always how it is, and that—that's why the uh, is that why our journalism buddies aren't yeah, yeah, using their that's minds what today. I was exactly going to say because I said before it would make sense if, if, in what if for sane people for them to say you're hurting our business model, people aren't coming, but they know ultimately this is a faith, this is a cult, this isn't just a business model, and therefore, even though it, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum, Steve, about why. It, you and I have looked them all in the face. Mm-hmm. You, why are you knowingly hurting your business? You can still spot all your liberal stuff, but a business model means having a b- broadcasting. Like you said, right. they don't want to broadcast, Steve. You no, know they, that. They, it's, it's a cult. Yes. It's the same reason that that alternative voices aren't heard inside the compound. <laughs> yes. Right? Where you, know, you, you could have said to David Chris, you know, I bet you if we just let somebody who doesn't agree with you speak, Janet Reno never shows up with any tanks. He's never not going to do that because 
it, that would mean he's not a cult leader. And cult leaders don't do things like that, right? right. Yeah, in a way, what we're, what we're seeing maybe with this is why we didn't see the health insurance companies, which for many years leaned Republican, go as vehemently after Obamacare as they did when you, in the 90s yes. over yes. Hillary Care. Yes. Yep. And it's because— It's crony capital. They recognized with crony cap, Obama was going to make us—Hillary Care was going to create a competitor to them. Obamacare, once it dropped the public option, was going to make, a, make them not have any competitors, was going to make us buy their product. And those guys are like, well, you know, none of us will be number one if, you're, if you have to buy our product. But you know what none of us will ever be either? Number none. None of us is ever the winner, but none of us is ever the loser. Yep. Except for our opponents. Except for the customers yeah. and the clients. But, but, but I mean, as, what, that's what our buddy Daniel Horowitz calls the insurance cartel. That's why they were all in on Obamacare. That's why our Senator Grassley here in Iowa, where we have the Des Moines has the highest per capita of insurance companies in America. And in the early uh, months of uh, Obamacare's formulation, he was negotiating with the White House and had a seat at their table. And the conservative base back here went nuts, went ape on him for doing that. But he was trying to make sure they got their deal. And so this is where self-interests ultimately trump everything. Even, even your own ideological interests, even your own, because I would make the argument it would even be better for the left's ideology. I think I would make the argument one of the reasons Bill Maher is successful, despite how, how, how virulently of a God-hater he is, is because he's willing to entertain other points of view, right? Yeah. And it's made him more successful than he's ever been in his career. But um, the self-interest of the religious zealotry trumps all. For the crowd outside of Lot's house. Indeed. Even when, it, even, even when you could advance your belief system in a better way, even when it, you could make more money advancing it that way, while still being probably more successful, you, you can't break free of the cultic mindset. Never dilute the Kool-Aid, brother. This is going to be a story worthy of following in the next few months. I, I think this is something we need to highlight more. Stay tuned. We're going to get to three-dimensional thinking here next on The Blaze and Series. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show on The Blaze Live on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Day's Totters and, and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast, Google Play, Spotify. Did I get all the platforms? I think that's all of them. Yep. You can subscribe to the podcast version of this show. And if you've got somebody who's maybe on the edge of subscribing and you're like, how do I give them a sample so they know why they ought to do this? You, know, you can give them the uh, podcast, uh, the audio-only version there that we put up there on demand after we finish each day is free, courtesy of our overlords uh, at The Blaze and CRTV that underwrite the cost for you, the people. You can subscribe there. And if you have time, leave us, if you like us, give us those five-star reviews. They help to spread the word to more people. Uh, make sure you click subscribe there on your podcast platform as well. Now, if you don't like us, don't lie. Just maybe keep that on the down low. Just don't say anything because we are sensitive and our feelings will be hurt. So, But if you do dig us, uh, if you'd leave us a five-star review, we appreciate those. And thank you to all of you that have done that already as well. All right. Before we get to today's uh, freshman orientation, Steve Day Show 101, do we have anything else to add 
um, to the whole uh, horse face and all of that yesterday? It, or, or are we at the point now where we're so used to Trump tripping over his own news cycles with his ego that it's just it's a story, but it's 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 like not worth commenting on because been there, done that, bought, bought the T-shirt. You know, I, right? I mean, with the way we approach the news, and we, we kind of laid this out on, on Monday, is that instead of just uh, commentating and trying to own the libs all the time, we try to draw out larger themes and larger lessons that we can learn from uh, within those stories. And that has been completely exhausted with, with anything having to do with Donald Trump's ego. Uh, we've completely exhausted that. The, the, the main point is is that he keeps tripping over himself. I mean, what large lessons, Todd and Steve, are there to learn from what happened yesterday? There's there's not, nothing that we don't already know. Well, he's simultaneously doing this while the White House is uh, taking umbrage with the fact that uh, some rapper apparently made a video uh, that uses a nude likeness of the first lady so you're trying to take the moral cargo on there that that's totally out of bounds when you're picking fights with strippers that you apparently slept with while said first lady who has a history of lesbian photography in her own i mean it it this is so there is no moral high ground here. That yep. it, this is yep. spy, this is spy versus spy in the back of the Mad Magazine. <laughs> that's what this is. That that's why we don't get into some of these things is because of what you just said. I mean, one of our ten commandments of political warfare is never surrender the moral high ground. Right? We talked about that yesterday. And in, and for a lot of our peers that just sit around and do Trump today, either to tear him down when he doesn't deserve it, or or to prop him up when he doesn't deserve it, one way or the other. Um, it's clickbaity and that's successful, you know, in this environment. I understand that, but I don't think there's anything substantive there. There's no, you know, and so that's why when the president gives me something that I think either cost me the moral high ground or grants it to me, we tend to spend a lot of time on it on this show. And when he doesn't, regardless of how many clicks it generates or how many bells and whistles and cable news cryons and how much cryon uh, it generates, we have a tendency just to kind of move along because there's just it's sound and fury signifying nothing it's what you said in in the first segment sin times sin equals sin i mean when you this is not the moral high there's no moral high ground here this is just the immoral quicksand this is the immoral bog there's no good that can come out of this now i do find it interesting what you uh, the the, uh, roseanne debut without roseanne the connors okay so the early ratings for this are in and it looks like they lost about 35%, if I'm reading this right from Deadline as the source, they lost about 35% of their audience from the finale last uh, summer when it was getting what, like the kind of numbers Duck Dynasty and The Walking Dead were getting at their apex. Like what were we talking, like 15, 16, 17 million viewers an episode, I think I read, right? So that may not seem like a huge decline. It, it is a it's a big decline, but people may be like, well, maybe it'll not be that bad. You have to understand, though, that there's a, there was a curiosity factor because she wasn't there, right? There's the curiosity factor. And the, to me, whatever the baseline, that's why I think this number, the first number here, needed to be bigger because 
regardless of what you think about her and her politics and her statements, and again, if ABC Disney doesn't want to be associated with the comments that she made, they we believe in free association. They can fire her and say we don't want to do business with that. Even same thing with James Gunn. We can all debate whether or not, you know, what James Gunn posted on Twitter making pedophile jokes in 2009 ought to be ought to get you fired in 2018. But if your company is Disney and your number one clients are families because they have what? Kids, right? And the guy's making jokes and he's on the record and never bothered to go back and delete him. Once he went for worked for a company like Disney, you would have thought, how about some self-awareness, you know? This is the number one, you know, child marketing corporation in the history of humankind. If you've got some tawdry remarks back there with some, uh, you know, vulgar humor about such a sensitive topic, maybe go back and get rid of those. We can disagree or agree whether we thought that that was fair to him or not. But does anybody begrudge a company like Disney deciding maybe we don't want to have a guy who makes pedophile humor be our guy? No, no. And then if you, if, and, and then I recognize Disney was hypocritical and they've let other things slide. And is it okay to call them out for their hypocrisy? Sure. You know what that's called? Freedom. Freedom works. You should start maybe an organization called that somewhere, maybe. <laughs> All right, freedom works if you let it, okay? But to me, the curiosity factor, this number needed to be really high because without your key star, it's only going to go down. So if you came into this, it wasn't even the number one show of its night. So this went from one of the number one shows of the last television year to not even the number one show in its night. And the curiosity factor was going to feed this. And now that she's not there, and now it's just the regular rigmarole of plot devices and you don't have your key star, I, I, think, um, I think this thing is in trouble. Oh, I'm almost certain it's in trouble. Not because I really care when i wasn't watching it before yeah. uh i wasn't planning on watching it uh now i just john goodman actually came out and, and you know the, and all the the, uh, the other the one of the daughters who's been around sarah sarah gilbert yeah if if they've known this woman for a long long time i it, it, i i think they knew that she was quite irascible and prone to saying some weird stuff that newsflash right. okay uh, but john goodman the did the problem have, is she used to say those things be she's saying all the same things yes. when she was doing liberal agate prop and grabbing her crotch singing the right. national anthem at san diego padre games right it's all the same shtick yes. nothing has changed exactly. it's just that she voted for donald trump that's what changed like her views on a lot of issues, she's still for pro-Sodom and Gomorrah, pro-baby killing, right? Because that was the piece Ben Shapiro wrote last year. He was like, why are we making her this yeah. conservative icon yep. just because right. she voted for Trump? Right. She has all the same progressive views exactly. she had before, right? Well, they did the same thing on their side. She didn't get more conservative, right. guys. She just voted for Trump. And because she voted for Trump, now the, now the progressive agate prop that they used to applaud— is looked at in a totally different light, yeah. right? And that's why it's such a shame that uh, I, her her TV family, John Goodman, did belatedly come and say, "Listen, uh, whatever you issues with her, I, she's not she's not a racist." Uh, and the whole family should have said, "Listen, this is it's all of us or none of us." This, but they didn't. They took the paycheck instead, and now they're probably going to get what they would deserve because of that kind of sellout. They, they the inability to connect with one each other's one another's humanity on any level is on display. There, they threw her into the garbage because mm -hmm. she did not sufficiently drink the Kool Aid, and now they're going to find. Because they did that, they're going to end up in the same garbage pile. That is called 
cosmic justice. You want to talk about cosmic justice? One story that didn't meet the, uh, that did make the montage, but I do want to mention here because it, it's a great follow up. It's an addendum really to the conversation we're having here, and that's the box office flop of First Man. Now, when you first saw the trailer, Ryan Gosling is Neil Armstrong, and the lead up to uh, the first man to ever step foot on the moon. Pardon me, in 1969, and the, and, when you, and Claire Foy, who is kind of an up-and-coming major star now, and she's going to take over the mantle of uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. And when you first saw the trailer, you thought, when you saw the fir- trailer for the first time, guys, what'd you think? Pretty, looked pretty good. But I'm, of course, I'm hoping that it's somewhere uh, within the same vein uh, as Apollo 13, that you feel mm-hmm. the way you did when yeah. you yep. watched it or the right stuff. I thought it was a little too um, beta male and uh, and setting True. the whole flags yeah. thing aside. It just seemed to be... We're not to uh, that point yet. Don't okay. bring it that... Don't bring, when you just saw the trailer for the no, first time... No, that's what I'm talking. Okay. But I, I did say there seemed to like a tone of that where it wasn't, I wanted a little bit more... Forget the flag, just a little bit more of a patriotic in terms of the music, the feel of it. But uh, most of all, I was like, I, man, I hope this is good. This is the kind of movie I would want to take my family to and spend my money. That's the key right there. And you, it's rated PG and you thought um, it's kind of going to be across somewhere between the right stuff and uh, yeah. and, and Apollo 13. And and it, it may not be as much machismo as when those movies That's were made in point. the 80s yes. and 90s. But for this generation yes. and era yes. that we are currently living in where dudes are winning women's cycling events, you probably thought this yeah. maybe is the best. I'm, I'm, hey, if first you don't succeed, guys, lower your standards, right? <laughs> so given the standard of, of manhood we're at today, Correct. you, you kind of thought this might be the best we could probably hope for, right? Correct. And actually, Ryan Gosling, um, uh, he's he's a really good actor. Sure. And he's, so I'm, I wanted to watch him wear that. Yeah. And then they came out and said that um, they got rid of the flag thing. Now, it appears from those who have seen the movie That's- that they oversold because again, where have we seen this before? Steve? Well, it's the same thing that happened yep. with Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yep. all right. Exactly. Where they, where they, they, the stars so wanted their their social media, social justice warrior street cred yep. that essentially it's the same hinting at 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 sexual deviancy and same sex attraction that you would have seen in a movie thirty or forty years ago. That the adults would have picked up on it, but the kids would have had really no clue what mm-hmm. was going on. It would. This was not an overt play for the tranny audience when you when because I didn't go take my daughters to it. And then we, I finally agreed that we would watch it when it came out on demand. Yeah. And when we saw the scenes, we were like, There's no there, we had a culture war over this? Yeah, Why? I know. Why? The, same, this, same thing. Because they, they were so eager. Because, you know, it reminds me of all the ads that ran in the Super Bowl after the 2016 election. When, and you got to have those ads done like in November. You can't, you, don't, you can't just have that ready-made the day before the Super Bowl and hand it to the network and say, here's our ad, right? Those things, they cost so much money. They're, they're years, if not months, if not years of preparation. And it was clear that the, the ad agencies thought Hillary was going to win that election. Because when we, went, when we watched the Super Bowl ads after the 2016 election, it was, it was rainbow. Everything was rainbow flag. Everything was. It was a clear belief that... That the 15% of the counties, and it was only 15%, that voted for Hillary were the zeitgeist now. And all the ads were appealing to that. And and it was clear that with the stars of Beauty and the Beast trying to get their street cred, that they were going that way as well. And now it appears that they have just totally screwed themselves, face-planted. Because from people I've talked to have seen the movie, it's, again, probably not the overt borderline jingoism you and I grew up with in the 80s. But by today's yeah. standards, they make it pretty clear this is 
go Team USA, I, right? As much as I wanted, I can't get Rocky Four anymore back in the bottle. You know, <laughs> yes, like yes. But but they so again wanted to play yeah. to the audience that represents a sliver of America. It just dominate, dominates the population centers where they live that they blew up the marketing of their own movie. And, and I'm not Mr. Boycott Movies. You guys have been with me. I don't need a movie. To, not everything I'm going to go see, I understand, affirms my values. Here's what you can't do, though. You can't crap on them, right? right. Like, if you make a good movie about, about a pagan worldview, I'll go see it if it's really good, good storytelling. But if you decide that you're going to agate prop Noah that, that, or, or, right. or Moses, I'm out. All right. If you pee on me and tell me it's raining, if you crap on my beliefs, I'm out. If you do a good job promoting your beliefs and I'm entertained and it's not totally offensive to my senses, I'll go see it. But you can't crap on you can't crap on my established beliefs and say and, and hand me a piece of chicken caca and say, here's a chicken salad sandwich. I'm not going for that. And it appears that's what they were trying to do here. But when the movie came out, that's not what they did. But they so pissed off so many people like me that this movie with a PG rating and pro-America unifying themes from the 60s and everything else, they it bombed at the box office. Yeah, we've got friends and. Conservative media on Twitter saying, uh, you know, this, this is actually a really good movie, but that's that's the punchline uh, of all this. And Dave Chappelle uh, told him you played yourself. Yeah, that's what they did. It's absolutely like we talked before uh, with the press. If you would have just, if you would have just gone um, with the, the the former Oklahoma quarterback now in the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. If you would have just gone Baker Mayfield and planted that flag, yes. man, you would have got everybody thrown in and going to that movie that you wanted to anyways, but you just couldn't bring yourself to it. You know what I, I bet you happened here, Aaron? Because I, I, this is the world we live in today. I'll bet you they did the press junket for the movie. And some, one of your, one of your millennial reporters at like Vox sure. or Salon sure. got Ryan Gosling one-on-one in that chair. And said, so, is this really jingoistic? And, or does this have more of a global perspective? And Gosling was so afraid of the comment section oh, no. at MSNBC, he was like, oh, wrecked him. We barely knew him. Like, we, hell, we burned the what's damn flag. America? Yeah, what's, what's an American? We don't even know what America is. We burned the flag. We were planting the NATO, the UN flag. We were wearing the blue helmets of the UN because they so wanted to avoid the social justice mob that they face planted their own marketing. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll bet you that's what happened. I bet that, yeah, I, I could believe that, definitely. I mean, yeah, uh, short of actually sitting there in uh, that that supposed interview and just starting to sing USA for Africa we are the world um, that that's probably that's that's there comes that's a time. basically what happened that's basically <laughs> what happened great. that's because what they found up on the moon yes <laughs> we are the world <laughs> no we're the moon now um, but yeah these the uh, they're locusts progressives are locusts um, Ryan Gosling I don't think from what I know he's no conservative he's probably progressive as well but they, they, they don't know the difference sometimes between eating their own and um, eating what's in front of them uh, from, from their opponents. So it wouldn't shock me at all if one of their progressive buddies caused the entire marketing campaign to faceplant. And that's why it, it, it faceplanted at the box office this, this weekend. That um, It could just be – I haven't seen the movie either. I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes I'm gonna meter look, cause is. Because I, 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 I literally it, dismissed it from my memory banks it, once they did this. Yeah, so, and, and I just saw that it bombed at the box it, office. I'm going to go to Rotten Tomatoes yeah, right now. It could just be that it's a bad movie. That, that, that could also be the case as well. Not, not well-made movie, this, which would be I, really disappointing since the story is uh, It's at 88% amazing. on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty good. And it's, it's rated PG. Yeah. There aren't too many live-action movies right. anymore that are actually PG. 
most of them that are, are G or PG-13. There aren't really too many that are PG anymore, but it's, it's at 88%, guys. It's only 1% behind A Star is Born, which is the critics' best picture of the fall, Darling, with uh, Lady Gaga and um, uh, who am I thinking of from American Sniper? Um, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Bradley Cooper, yeah. So, so critically reviewed, unifying themes. You go to outer space, there's rockets, and it's got a bankable star, and the movie bombed. And you know why it bombed? Because here's the reality. It, it, the, the progressives are never going to see this movie, no matter how much they abandon the American flag, because they don't believe in the values that led to us landing on the moon in the first place. So you can never iconoclastically deconstruct this enough for them. You know what I'm saying? There's, like, there's nothing. Like, if, if, if Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had gay sex on the moon at zero Gs while wearing UN helmets, okay? And, and, then they, and then they came back and announced they're transitioning, that would not satisfy them. There's nothing you could do to satisfy the mob. And in your attempts to do so, you drove away your core audience that was waiting in line to go see this movie. Is that not essentially what happened here? It is. And through that analogy, I think. Mark the time, uh, Wednesday of week one. Our Blaze viewers officially understand <laughs> our approach to covering the news at the Steve Day Show. And why we are shocked we're still here day three in. Yes, indeed. All right, that's going to do it for hour one. When we come back, Steve Day Show orientation continues. We're going to teach you what we call three-dimensional thinking. Stay tuned. All right, we are back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show here live at The Blaze on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. We're going to play Buy, Sell, or Hold coming up later on in this hour. It's our weekly game every Wednesday where Aaron is supposed to come up with some provocative questions to force Todd and I to take a stand on, on issues ranging across the spectrum, but often instead... Um, relies on the audience to do his work which is why when him. you came in this morning i was like hey steve can you do a favor i forgot to be lazy yesterday so could you help me be lazy today <laughs> yeah he's selling this to me as increased listener interaction uh-huh yeah that's why i'm letting him get away with it for now but the first week the listeners don't bail him out aaron i'm screwed yes <laughs> yes you are really screwed. so you've got about 30 minutes to come up to save aaron's job the hall of right? fame game score for 2019 is <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's get to some steve day show freshman orientation here today we've been doing this throughout the course of our first week here at the blaze uh get you sort of immer- immersed into how we do things on our program and the argumentation technique that we used is something, it's a process that I didn't come up with it. I just took a lot of other people's ideas that had helped to influence me and put them into one easy to understand package. You're going to find, we do that a lot around here. There was a, there was a company that sponsored a lot of the college football games when you and I were growing up, Todd, and they used to have the tagline. Do you remember this? It was, we don't make the products you buy. We make the products you buy 
better. I do. Right. So every now and then we'll come up with some original methodology and stuff. But a lot of times, because that's my political uh, pr professional background is messaging and strategy. A lot of times what we're really good at is taking things that other people have thought of and making them more accessible and understand understandable to a broader audience. And so this is something that I have taught a lot of audiences and groups uh, over the last few years. And it's what I call three-dimensional thinking, all right? Three-dimensional thinking. This is the first dimension. The first dimension is this. You have to know why you believe what you believe. Now, for those of us that are Christians, this is a biblical mandate. This comes right from St. Peter. Always have a ready defense for the hope, meaning the faith that you have. And, and the Greek word that Peter writes there. Uh, for ready defense, that Greek word in the original manuscript of his epistle is the word apologia, from which we get the English word apologetics. Those of you that are not religiously minded, maybe you've seen uh, this term, Christians do apologetics or are studying apologetics, and you're wondering, if you really believe in something, why do you go around apologizing for it all the time? That, <laughs> that's, not, that's what I used to thought, think it meant, by the way, when I was, when I was on the other side of the uh, faith divide. I'm like, if you guys really believe this stuff, why are you sorry for it a lot? Right? That, that's not what apologetics means. What it means, it's, a, it's, a, it's an argumentation term. Your ability to defend a belief system is what it means. All right. And so here's here's how this plays out. If I asked most most of my viewers and listeners, well, that may not be true of our viewers and listeners because they've heard me use this example before. But if I asked a lot of conservatives who would claim to have a theistic worldview, if I would ask them, why do you think government programs so often fail? Government programs to help the poor, for example. Why do you think so often fail? The answer I would get would be probably what? They're inefficient. Too much waste, fraud, and abuse. Yeah. There would be a largely secular yes. argument. Yes. Yeah. And and that would be the argument that I'd hear, you know, from some good conservative people at a place like Fox News, for example. And the problem is that's not an argument. That's like when you go to the doctor and you're like, so, man, what's wrong with me? And after he, you know, checks your pulse and he does the ears, nose, and throat, and he listens to your lungs and he takes your temp, right? And he comes back and tells you, well, it appears you've got a stuffed up nose uh, and you're running a fever. Did that answer your question? You knew that already. Yeah, you knew that. I, I came in here because... I have those symptoms. I need you to see the waste, fraud, and abuse, and uh, they're, they're you know um, inefficient, etc. Uh, those are symptoms. That's not that's not a disease diagnosis. That's the symptom. You're, we know those things. What we need to know is why. There isn't a new batch of MIT grads that the progressives could hire that would like look at the processes of the food stamp program. Or under Obama, we had more people on food stamps than the total population of Spain. It's one of my all-time favorite statistics of the Obama years. And if, and if you believe that government um, welfare is compassion, because that's how the left sells it, right? It's compassionate. Do you guys remember, did, like, did they have like a rose garden ceremony with President Obama and his cabinet where they got together, had the press corps come over to the White House, and they wanted to make sure that everybody knew America's reached a new level of compassion 
because we have a record number of people on the food stamp program. Did they do that? No. Why not? I mean, if, if government welfare programs are compassionate, and we have more, in, in the Obama years, we had more people on food stamps than the total number of people that live in the nation of Spain. Why weren't, where were the press releases? Why weren't we celebrating all this newfound compassion? Why weren't we thanking the American people for showing more compassion than they ever showed before? Why weren't we doing those things? I think we know the answer to those things. Because the idea that, this is, that these are primarily instruments of compassion is a scam. But we need to understand why it's a scam. If another, the next time a Democratic president takes over and all these programs are in place, they're not going to then go say, you know what, those millennial MIT grads understand processes and, and flowcharts and structures. Um, uh, they understand all those things better than the previous generation of MIT, Northwestern, and Stanford grads. So let's bring in the new guys and they'll streamline. No, no. These things don't work because the people running them are dumb. They don't work because the people running them are wrong. That's different. You may have an IQ of 147. But when your car stalls on the highway because you don't understand the processes by which that internal combustion engine operates the internal systems of your vehicle. And you try to fix it. It's not that you're dumb. It's that you're wrong. Wrong and dumb aren't the same thing. You can be wrong because you're dumb. But sometimes um, it, you're not dumb because you're wrong. Sometimes you just don't know how something works. And the way that this something works, the progressives reject. Because the first words of existence are, in the beginning, God. Those are the first words of existence. In the beginning, God. The first words of the progressive worldview is, ye be like God. We, we can, human nature is basically good. We can create and we can combine our collective goodness and inherent collective goodness and create utopias. Where there's, there's no more famine and there's no more sickness and there's no more war and there's no more uh, class distinctions. We can make John Lennon's imagine come true. But if you reject the first question of existence, in the beginning, God, what do we typically, Todd, what's the clinical term for people who reject um, obvious facts of existence and live in um, a delusional realm? What would we call such people? Insane? Yeah. This is a form of san insanity. And that's the problem. They are rejecting the reality of the universe in the beginning God. And that God created certain spheres of authority for his creation. Individuals have an authority. The family unit has some authority. The state or the government has authority. And the church has some authority. And when the state tries, when, when these institutions attempt to cross over and violate their jurisdictional authority in God's created order, zany hijinks, if not tyranny, will always ensue every single time. So it's not that these are dumb people. They're wrong. They're not stupid. They're wrong. They are asking the state, they're asking the government to do something that is outside the created order of God. And God is God, and who are they? 
Who would they be then? If not, not, not God. God, not God. And so, um, God is undefeated, which means when you go against Him, what happens? You will be defeated. You will be defeated. Yeah. And that's what's ha- that's why these programs don't work. It's not that they won't work, because we don't know how to do it. It's that they can't. They can't work, because they violate the natural order of things. They cannot work. It's, it cannot. It's simple physics. Yes. That's- yes. You, 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 you listen. You can go and sue for the right to fly as a human being. You can have a court say, even though your equipment has no, you have no wings. You have nothing within your physiology that says you were meant to fly, but you can have a human endeavor and institution say, by golly, it's a denial of your self-actualization if you don't get to fly. And you can get all the human ingenuity you want and all the PhDs you want to line up and say, absolutely, you were meant to fly. But I can promise you, after you walk out of that court with your right to fly, the minute you go to the tallest building in your hometown and fling yourself off of it, believing you're going to soar on the wings of eagles, it's going to end in a splat because the law of gravity don't give a rip about what you think. It was here before you got here. It's here now. I'm going to be here long after you've gone splat, long after you're gone. What I love about these conversations, this is just, this is a modern day version of Socratic dialogue. Yes. And the Greeks, the pagans back then, uh, they had this notion, this term that was called metaphysics. It was a combination of how the seen and the unseen. There has to be something transcendent out there. Yes. Yes. Even Even a virulent atheist like Ayn Rand, who thought Christianity was delusional and Christians were morons. Even she understood some of what you're talking about. She called it objectivism. Correct. That there has to be something transcendently objective for the universe to work. Otherwise, what's the point of taking another breath? In her mind, she's like, why should I be a hedonist unless there's order? What, like, why should I be getting pleasure out of acting this way behaviorally unless there's order somewhere in the universe, right? Right. Even she understood some of the metaphysics of what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yes. All right, so can we... Can we defend why we believe what we believe? Can we defend it? When, when they come after our guns, do we say, well, I believe in the Second Amendment? Well, so what? Who cares? I mean, you know, you've got to have a better argument than that. You have to, can you explain why we have to have a Second Amendment? Why it's there? Can you defend that? That's the question. All right? So that's the first dimension. That is a, that's a mandate from providence. That's from on high. I mean, that's from the Word of God, guys. Can you defend why you believe what you believe? Unfortunately, many of us will not even get to this. We will not even reach this first goal. Do you know why? My hypothesis: we like owning the libs, and there's no element of thinking in that. That's a lot. That's a lot of conservatism right now. It's just owning the libs, and there's no thinking in that. There's yes. No. There's no argument being had there. It's just mindless, um, mindless entertainment. Mindless is a mindless entertainment is exactly right. Yes. Um. Here's the second dimension. Do you know why other people believe what they believe? Do you know why a progressive believes what they believe? Do you know why? Well, could they've been indoctrinated. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's one-dimensional straw man arguments, guys. That, that, that may be, again, that's a symptom. She, she, they have a will of their own. 
So even if they were indoctrinated, what about their will accepted the indoctrination? Do you know the answer to that? You wouldn't know unless you knew what progressivism really is. Unless you understood that it really is, as we told you a couple days ago here on the show, it's really a religious competitor. And that it, it appeals to the vanity of the depraved, fallen, sinful human heart. It, it puffs you up. It, it feeds the ego that we want fed. We want to be like God. We want to replace God. We want to disobey. Yes. So it has its own order. creeds. It has yes. its own sacraments. Yes. And that's why the indoctrination works in this case. It's because it tells you what you want to believe. I mean, I don't, it's really hard to say no to, let me get this straight. I can, I can behave however I want. There's no consequences. And if there should some occur, I can pass them on to somebody else. And the person that I decide to pass them off to or persons, they have no ability to tell me I'm wrong because if they do, they're a racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigot. And by I, the way, the government will underwrite all of this yes, for me. Yes, yeah. I can see why that might be an attractive message if human nature is not basically good, right? Well, yeah, because it's Bizarro World Santa Claus. That's what it just yeah. gives you every, every itch you have. Let me scratch it for you. Yeah. Essentially, the, the motto of progressivism, we've gone from e pluribus unum to I wanna. Yeah. Because I wanna. Because I wanna. I emote. Didn't you, emote, are you the originator I, yeah, of that, that one? Now, that one is mine. Yeah. A lot of people think I came up with uh, uh, You Will Be Made to Care. That's actually Eric Erickson came up with that. But I emote, therefore I am. That go. one is mine. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. I emote, therefore I am. Yeah. And, and so do you know why other people believe what they believe? This do you is know all, that? And this is so important because when you, if you don't know this and if you try to talk with them, you, you, you're going nowhere yes. regardless of whether you're – Right in uh, number one, you've got to understand if there's how to communicate with these people, and that's increasingly challenging. And I think, you know what, people in general, because I, we have to understand people are people. I know I didn't just go Depeche Mode right there. People are people. They're not algorithms. They're not constructs. They're not formulas. And even those who deny that they're made in the image of God were also made in his image. You know, while we were still enemies, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Okay? So, even though they may deny their nature, the nature remains the same. And we're created in the image of a God who in and of himself is a relationship. Who created us for relationship. The greatest need we have on a, on a fundamental, to use a term Todd used earlier, metaphysical level is relationship. We desire and crave it. Significance for men would be a close second, but relationship still, for the human condition, is the number one need we, 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 we need. We need that, and it's because of the, that we're made in the image of a God who in of himself is a relationship and created us for relationship and fellowship with him. And we desire that relationship. If you, view, if you view people who don't see what we see and understand what we know and agree with what we believe as constructs, formulas, or potential converts, you're going to largely fail. Or you, you may, for lack of a better term, convert them for the wrong reasons. Like they, because they want a relationship with you or they find something about you alluring, attractive, cool, they may agree with you. 
but but they don't they they couldn't pass the first commandment. They don't know why they agree. They just they like being around you. That's why I'm not looking for people. I'm not looking. We're not looking for groupies. You know, and sometimes we will be unnecessarily obtuse just as a defense mechanism. We're not here looking for converts. We're not here looking for the, this isn't the church of Steve Dace or church Todd and, or, or Steve Todd and Aaron. We're here looking, um, we're looking for patriots. That's what we're looking for. And part of the key aspect of, of being a patriot is critical thinking, self-assessment. Uh, the ability to reason things in your own mind um, rather than you're just, hey, I like this show. They're really cool. And, you, you know, I'm just going to quote what they say. No. If the founders had done that, we wouldn't have a country. That, right that now. is exactly right. That is. That's exactly right. So do you know why other people believe what they believe? Do you know why a Muslim believes Christians are polytheists, for example? Do you know why that's true? Do you know why other people believe what they believe? Do you know where, you know, you've, we've only had a new, every newscast in our country our entire lives has had the term Shia or Sunni or Shia in it every single newscast. Do you know what those terms mean? Do you know why? I mean, this is, in, in a, to use a, a warfare analogy, because that's really what we're fighting as a form of cultural, spiritual warfare. We're talking about recon here. Have you done the reconnaissance? Do you know what the landscape is of the opposition? Know the enemy. Yeah, do you know? Now, here's the thing, though. If we only stop there, because most of us won't even get through number one, but for those that get through number two, and this was my temptation. You know, I, I first started studying the scriptures because my mother-in-law kept beating me at Bible categories, and I didn't like that. That's not the right reason, by the way, okay? We have to recognize, again, people aren't algorithms, they're not theories, they're not formulas, they're not constructs. We have to understand that people are people. And if, if we stop here at number two, we may win a lot of battles but lose a lot of wars. You may win a lot of arguments for the sake of the relationship. I'm not saying we should change our beliefs to maintain a relationship. I am saying, though, we should not use our beliefs to purposefully drive wedges within relationships either. That's a false choice. Hey, if you sticking to your guns about what you believe and you know to be right causes you to lose a relationship, let that be because the other side of the equation decided they would rather live a lie than live with you, okay? If that's what happens, then so be it. But don't make it because you were such a canoe about what you believed. You were such a jerk face that you left no room for mercy to triumph over judgment. Don't let it be about that, Okay. And the way to avoid that is when we come to our third dimension now. And this is where, so the first dimension is the foundation. The second dimension is um, where we get now to an introduction. The third dimension now is where we get to persuasion. Know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. There's a lot of people that reject the Christian faith. Well, you know, go back, you know, Rick Warren when he famously talks about when he started Saddleback Church many years ago, that he started it by taking a poll of the community there in Southern California, asking him, why don't you come to church? That was a waste of his time. I, I didn't go to church for a long time. You know, I didn't go. I didn't want you all telling me that I'm a sinner and then ask me to give you some of my money after you did that. I mean, this is Romans 1. We suppress the truth and unrighteousness. On a, on a fundamental level, we don't go to church because we don't want to hear we're not God. That's why. But... 
beyond that meta narrative, there are people that don't step foot into a church because they grew up with somebody who claimed to be a believer or a pastor or a member of the ministry, or as we've seen now, this is the second time in the last 15 years, we've gone through a scandal of, of children, essentially, um, you know, being preyed upon, not prayed for by, you know, guys wearing the cloth. And if your sinful nature already is telling you, don't repent, you're just fine the way you are, you're basically good, you don't need to change, God will accept you the way that you are. If your sinful nature is already feeding your conscience that from the moment you're born, and for those of you that want to challenge me, human nature is not basically good, let me respond to you right now. You ever had to teach your child to say no? Todd, you have four lovely daughters. I'm sure they were all little princesses, and you remember when they had their fairy wings, right? You took them trick-or-treating, right? They were just adorable, all four of them, right? Did you ever ever teach one of them mine? Ever teach them how to say mine? Did you ever teach any of them selfishness, Todd? Uh, no, and I'm reminded of that as much as I love them every week to this very day, and some of them are entering teenagehood. Yeah, let me pick on Ainsley, because she's only out there winning trophies and ribbons every week, right? Sure. Okay. So, um, did you have to teach her not to steal the spotlight from her siblings when she did something good? Did you have to... Did you have a teacher that, or did you tell her, you know what, when you do something good, what I would do if I were you is I'd like just make sure it totally dominates us when we get home and there's no room for your sisters whatsoever to share what they did good in school or what they've got in their lives and just make it all about you. Did you have to coach her how to do that? Uh, no, it was the uh, former, and my way of handling it was so uh, informed by the kind of thinking we're talking about here mm-hmm. that parents used to look at me like I was... Nuts! Like she's so she's so great. I mean, I can't imagine her ever doing a bad. Well, that's because I acknowledge I'm raising a sinner and I'm treating her accordingly. Yeah, she's adorable. I'm not saying she's not adorable. I'm just saying in behind that adorability is a sinful heart. I have to acknowledge that because I've got the same thing. Right? That's what we're talking about. Human nature is not basically good. We don't have to be coached to be selfish. We don't have to be coached to be self-centered. No, no, no parent. You've never been in a mall and seen a mom sitting on one of the couches there in the island. All right, Timmy, say it with me now. Ready, honey? Say it with me. Mine. It's never happened in all of human history, guys. You've never seen a mom say, all right, all right, all right, Jimmy, ready? Say it, mouth it with mommy. No, never happened. Never had to have it happen. We know. No matter how cute and adorable we are, we know. That's how we come out of the womb, all right? So we need to know why other, when, when we bring that sinfulness to bear, what belief systems or behaviors has other people's sin imposed upon us that has helped us to justify staying where we are at? And if, and if someone used their sinful nature to say, you know, um, hey, in between this homily and in between these sacraments, I'm going to molest you. I, you know, I, my sinful heart already didn't need an excuse not to come to Mass Sunday, right? I didn't need an excuse. Did I, I, my sinful heart didn't need further encouragement to sleep in and not come. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But now, when I do show up, if you're going to violate me this way, well, now you've just given me every last extra super-duper excuse I ever needed not to confront my own need for a Savior because clearly you haven't confronted yours. See where I'm going with this? Yes. This is why we have to know 
why other people believe what they believe about what we believe. What, what is ha- and that's where you need a relationship. What's your story? Where do you come from? How many times, how many, how many, how many egalitarian feminists have we created, men, because you failed, we failed as a species in the home? How many times? How many, how many feminists, angry feminists do you think we gave birth to because we loved them and left them? Because we abused them? Because we didn't protect and defend? How much, how, how much of that Petri dish is, is the fault of ma- masculine failure, do you think? I think a lot of it yeah. is. And I think that's where we have to know where other people are coming from with their baggage. Otherwise, you know, they won't think you care and you don't. And if you don't care, good luck trying to persuade people and changing hearts and minds, Eric. Yeah, there's a term that, I mean, you've heard before, uh, but we use it a lot on this show. It's called self-awareness. And mm-hmm. that's part of what we're, we're talking about here. And we, we, we talk about revival all of the time, too, incessantly, ad nauseum, whatever other adjective uh, to describe how often we talk about uh, the need for a revival, but then we can't we can't at the same time say we need uh, to be in evangelism mode and say we need revival while at the same time not acknowledging all of the people in our past over the last few decades in the name of Christ soiling soiling the reputation of Christianity of their own souls for a political party. So we have to that's that's one example of this as well. We have to we have to understand the baggage that our belief system uh, I guess I guess I think we have to understand other people's baggage, our own baggage as well first and foremost. We have to understand the baggage that that could bring to the re, for, to the table and and acknowledge that as we begin those relationships because we cannot change this any perception about what others believe about what we believe at a macro level. Because we, quite frankly, don't have at a macro level, we we, we don't have the um, the ability to to do that. We don't have um, we we don't have people's trust. So we have to build that one by one at the personal level, as as you were saying, Steve. Self awareness is that's right on the money. How many hundreds of thousands of priests are there, probably worldwide? Hundreds of thousands? Oh. Is it in the millions? Maybe. I, I don't know Let, about let's that. Say, but let's yeah, say there's a half million priests. Really worldwide. big number. Yeah. All right. Nice round number. I don't care how how orthodox your seminaries are. I, I don't care how disciplined the, 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 the bureaucracy is in enforcing spiritual and theological uh, orthodoxy and discipline. Someone's going to come through the cracks and sin and fall, and maybe several someones. We're not perfect. It's the consistency of the lack of self-awareness, which crushing the Catholic Church is not that a couple of predators made it through the ranks. It's that they systemically permitted waves and floods of them to come through because they wouldn't enforce their own standard. That's the issue. We're in a version of, it's not the crime, but the cover-up. I mean, the crime is heinous and brutal, but it it, it just tripled it because of the cover-up. Yes. We will do terrible things to each other because we're sinners. Are we willing to admit that or not? That's... That's the key. Are we willing to be honest about who we are at the core? Back here on 
Behind the Blaze Live, CRTV On Demand. This is the Steve Day Show. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. All right, gentlemen, let's get to it. We do this every Wednesday on the program. Buy, sell, or hold. And I tried to do you a solid, Aaron. Normally, we do this for an entire hour. But I could sense, you know, man, you were hanging by a string over there. You know, okay. I, I actually had a lot of responses. Once oh, did you, you retweeted okay. it, yeah, we've got lots of All right. fodder. All right, so next week, next week, no, I'm not... I'm not doing you a solid like this again next week. You are on your own next week, all right? <laughs> I expect enough of these to have a good conversation for an hour on the show. If you're new, here's how this works. Each Wednesday, Aaron will throw out a series of provocative, at least we hope they are, statements. Uh, Todd, it could be on any subject matter. Uh, often, you in the audience will suggest something you want Todd and I to uh, make a call on. And we have to decide uh, if we're going to buy Todd or we're going to sell. Hopefully, we have at least one good reason why that might be the case. Uh, if If... If the proposition is extremely lame, you are permitted to hold, but if you call for a hold more than, and you can only do that once, if you call for the hold for any reason other than you cannot dignify such a lame beta take with your answer, if you go with any reason other than that, the dude code calls for you to be mercilessly mocked for failing, for punking out and failing to take a stand. Are we ready to go? I am ready. Aaron. You cut me some slack today, so I'm repaying you with this very first one, Steve. I hope you enjoy. Is it about eschatology? This is not, um, this is not, this is not more. Um, oh my gosh. This is more of a, a begging for a public flogging more oh than a, a bold statement. I... Peter V says the Joshua Tree is the most overrated album in rock history. I, I already responded to him on Twitter and said he's dead to me, so you have my answer. <laughs> So. All right, since since Todd's in the arena doing this, <laughs> yeah. okay, before we call Joaquin Phoenix in from the bully, overrated it, like are we saying it's like better than Abbey Road? It's not better than Abbey Road. All right, so I mean, is it better than Zeppelin Four? Is it? Is it? I mean, is it better than Thriller? The question at hand is most overrated of all, of all time. time. So not in, not in relation to anything else. Oh, then. Come on. This is dumb. Then your dad should have worn a condom that night, Joshua. We are <laughs> ashamed. Yeah. Let's move on. Peter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second one. Pat Riot says, I'm a Dodger fan, but Manny Machado should have been tossed after that little stunt running into Aguilar at a first last night. What a punk. Totally buying on that. Uh, one of the things I do for CRTV each day is, form, is, fu- is former Major League Baseball All-Star, World Series champion, future Hall of Famer, Kurt Schilling and I, we host a daily sports show, and we, we just call it we talk sports because we decided what if we did a show where we talk sports and not just about how everything in sports is racist, you know, like what ESPN does all day. All right. So we just sit around and talk sports. And I asked him about this today and, and because he's the guy that's like one rings and I'm just the guy that watched him win rings on TV. When it comes to matters of, I guess we would call it um, honor amongst pros. I'm always, I always kind of want to know what he thinks first. Rather than me kind of being out here like the water boy, telling the guys out there at practice how politely they're supposed to perform, right? That's not really my place. He was pretty adamant about this today. I think you were here when we were taping. Yes, you I may, was. You may have heard some of it. I mean, he was like, he called this a punk move. He was like, you know what? Next spring, th- this won't happen in a playoff game because there's too much at stake. You don't want to put a guy on base. But he's like, next spring, when 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 he when Machado fa- faces the Brewers and he takes a shot right underneath the armpit where it won't injure him but it'll hurt like hell, and 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 he's going to come back to my dugout and say to me as the starting pitcher that day, hey, you need to go out there and throw at them to protect me. I'm going to tell him, hell no, I'm not throwing at them. 
You, you, you don't go after trying to ruin a guy's career. That's a total punk move, totally outside the bounds of what is competitive you know, zeal, especially in a playoff game. So I'm absolutely buying on that one with confidence. Oh, yes. Me too. And as you probably figured out the last two days, I just ran out of Brewer shirts. But um, I, <laughs> I, I am a Brewers fan, and uh, this is the kind of stuff where it's uh, – it, it works in reverse, uh, and Steve's alluded to it too, because of the the stage. Uh, umpires have uh, all. I mean, they have patience for stuff. You you saw a couple guys coming out uh, arguing balls and strikes, and the managers uh, actually in, instead of chewing on them like they would, they're, they're grabbing their guy, turning around, getting back to the dugout because of, let's not get anybody ejected. Uh, but it's because of the size of the stage, and so you you ultimately teach uh, the kids that are watching it, yeah, uh, uh, that guy should have been run. We, um, we uh, That's a special brand of stupid, um, and it won't be tolerated. Our Chris Pandolfo at uh, Conservative Review asked this, as well as Jim Kinman, Ben Sass picking a fight with Sean Hannity. Are you guys aware of some of the backstory here? I'm loosely aware of it. Um, basically, basically, Sean uh, Hannity has written about in Sass's new book that was released last week or a couple of weeks ago. Sass uh, says, and I'm quoting almost verbatim here, he talks, he reaches a lot of angry, isolated people. And if we could understand that, we could. So it's, it, he, he's picking, picking a fight with Sean Hannity. Uh, pick, he's, he's got a bone to pick with Sean Hannity. I, I want to. Can I frame the, the, the discussion here, if there is one, uh, in this light? If that's the only thing that he says about media figures, um, this, is, uh, this is a stupid move on Ben Sass's part. I mean, you're, uh, the reality is if you're trying to build a coalition or a base, um, at, at some level you're going to need the guys like Sean Hannity, or at least don't piss them off uh, like this, um, especially if you're only going after them and not somebody else, um, a, an equal example on the left as well. I don't know that. I haven't read the book, but if that's the case— then this is this is a dumb move on Sass's part. Here, here's the thing I have with Ben Sass is he's out there talking like he's Bill Crystal, and then he goes back to the Senate and he votes like he's Ted Cruz. Actually, as we mentioned the other day, his Liberty score is slightly higher than Ted Cruz's right now. The only U.S. senator with a better Liberty score, I believe, right now at Conservative Review is Mike Lee, who's a hundred percenter. So, I've used this analogy with Sass before. But with the new audience of The Blaze, they haven't heard it yet. So yes, indulge me as I use it again. My wife and I love Survivor. And we've watched like every season for, tw- for it, it's, it's been on since 2000. And it's two seasons a year. And we watch every episode. We love it. And one of the things that happens almost every season in Survivor is um, there's, there's a, they always have what's called the merge. And they'll always start with two or three competitive tribes. And then eventually enough people get eliminated and they'll be consolidated into one. And most years, once they merge, the, there will be two camps that will then develop because we can't help ourselves. We're sinners and Lord of the Flies always happens. Okay, <laughs> We can't avoid it. And so even, even after all the tribes are merged into one tribe, they will then break down into individual tribes within the one tribe. And there's almost always that one person who's like, I'm going to be above joining the tribe. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with people honestly. And I don't have to be in one of these tribes. He always gets, they always vote him out right away. And the reason why is because neither people in either one of the tribes trust the guy knows where he's at on anything. And so where Ben Sass, like, I even agree with a lot of the stuff he says. Not everything, but a lot. I just don't know why he is saying it. To what end? 
What is he attempting to accomplish? You know, I mean, well, Steve, you, you're the one that says the truth is its own reward. What, what reward is there for the truth? It, if I come home and one of my daughters is gaining weight, and I say to her, boy, you're really packing on the pounds, kiddo, and prom's coming up. Is it true that she has gained some weight? Yes. Yeah. Did I frame that, though, in the way that it, it will likely get the result that I think no. is no? I don't understand what he's trying to accomplish. Because what when he says stuff like this, the Bill Crystal crowd's like, yeah, Hannity, yeah, sucks. Hannity sold out, yeah. And then what happens is he goes back in the Senate and like votes for almost every right-wing thing that all the Bill Crystal crowd hates. And so the Bill Crystal crowd's like, well, we're not, that guy's not one of us. He's not with us. And then the guy, the guy is the guy is voted for almost everything in Trump's agenda. Even the stuff Trump's lying to you that he says he's for, that then he won't follow up on. Sass is like voted for all of it. But right now, if you ask the average Trump conservative on the street, what do you think of Ben Sass? They're gonna say what? Oh, I hate that guy. I won't support the president. He just votes for like everything the president asks him to vote for. But but he this is a no man's land he is creating. And Unless he is trying to form a third party, this is the what he's doing, the only path that this has any semblance of success. Because even though there's a lot of people that agree with him in sentiment, there's a there our show's success is and the fact Glenn Beck is still on the air, and the fact that Ben Shapiro is blowing up is evidence that there is an audience of people. That would like to see hardcore conservatism minus the nauseating tribalism. All right, there may not be a, a, a overwhelming audience for it, but there's clearly some audience. Otherwise, guys like Beck and Shapiro and I would not have survived this last election, right? Right. We'd have been doomed. So there's clearly some audience for we want real principled conservatism with not dressed up with all the nauseating tribalism and fetting and ball washing. But you need a vehicle and a platform by which to capitalize on that. That's one of the reasons why you've, you've seen increasing, co- you, know, we're, you know, the Daily Wire and CR, are, I guess you'd call them competitors, but we're running Shapiro's columns at Conservative Review. And now our show on CRTV is being here and syndicated by The Blaze. You know, we're kind of in that point now, those of us that want to offer this product, you kind of either going to hang together or we're all going to hang separately, Right. So we, we have to create vehicles by which we can survive appealing to this base. What is his vehicle? What, what is, to what end is this happening? Otherwise, in a way, if there's not a way, if there's not a process of, of completion here, in some respects, SAS is a, is a less egotistical version of Trump, just randomly kvetching, just randomly vetting. You know what I'm saying? It's Trump with bigger words. It's, it's Trump with less ego. But it's just like, you know what, man, someone needs to speak up. Someone needs to put Andy in his place. I'm going to jump on Twitter. and Okay, why? What is this accomplishing? I don't see, unless his goal is to form a third party by which he is, which I'm all for, but he has done nothing substantive to actually then capitalize on this. This just looks to me like butthurt. And I'm not a huge Sean Hannity fan. I mean, when was the last time we, we don't, do we quote him affirmatively often on this program? No, I, I probably would agree with most of Sass's criticisms of what Hannity has done with his career. But you know why we don't talk about it every day on the show? Because unless he's getting in the way of what we want to do, all it does yeah. is divide our audience. Yeah. And so in many respects, I'm watching Sass has become quite Trumpian. 
He just does stuff. Isn't that what we say about Trump all the time? Yeah. There's no 4D chess. There's no plan. It's just an ego in motion. I'm just watching butthurt in motion. What is he trying to accomplish? So if I thought, so what was our commandment yesterday? Don't attack what you're not willing to kill. Mm-hmm. You don't passively, aggressively come at one of the largest guys in the conservative media. You're going to step to Sean Hannity, man. You better be 44 Magnum to the temple. You know what I'm saying? You don't roll up on, a, on, the, on, the, on the Gambino crime family's capo on their front porch and say, you know, I really don't like the way you delivered the cannoli last week. You don't do that, man. You're going to roll up on the dude's front. You better be prepared to go. Not, can we have a dialogue next time the five families get together? What the hell is that? Like, I don't know what he's doing. This is just random kvetching butthurt from a guy who's less egotistical and more academically inclined than Trump. That's what I see. I want to be wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. So I'm selling. I actually think uh, a lot of what you just said mimics what you said pre-2016 uh, as it applies to Rand Paul, I think he's entering Rand Paul land. He, you know, he, he he's taken uh, instead of having a, a unique brand that is demonstrably uh, different, he's uh, w- watering his da- down his uh, message. Not so much became, because he became a different person ideologically, but because he has shown no ability to apply that ideology right. to tactics yes. to grow his own base. I mean, he's going to, people are going to kind of like him because he's kind of the hip, uh, I mean, millennial ish kind of guy. He tweets uh, uh, things like that. But I mean, I, the I, Rand I, Paul analogy is good because what have we always said about Rand Paul? He has a he has has a he has a wide audience but no base. Mm-hmm. In politics, you need a base, not an audience. Mm-hmm. In our line of work, you have lots of people have big audiences, but they don't have influence. There's a lot of people who have a hell of a lot bigger audience than I do, but because they don't live in the first in the nation caucus state, can pick up their cell phone and make five phone calls and basically yeah. end a presidential yeah. campaign if they want. Yeah. They don't have they don't have that, they don't yeah. have as much influence as we do. So what what I see with Ben Sass, same group of people, same millennials that love Rand Paul, love Ben Sass, but that's not a base that you build on politically. I don't understand you, what the plan is. If you want a base. And a base is basically a, a group of people who will put their butt on the line for you because they think you're worth it. Yeah. You have to do something for them. Yes. Which means you have to show that you're actually willing to take risks yes. in order to support your principles, not just fire pot shots, not doing one of those Kip Napoleon Dynamite fights where you're just kind of standing there and slapping each other. No, you have to put your butt on the line. And so far, it's, it, Ben Sass it, it, has not done that. That's right on the money, Aaron. It's not that Rand Paul cut a deal with Mitch McConnell that hurt him. It's that he told his people, his base, support me as I cut a deal with Mitch McConnell, but then I don't actually go to the Senate and shut it down to fight for what you believe in. If Ben Sass was up there demanding President Trump did more to protect religious liberty, demand, standing up in the Senate, pounding his fist at the podium and said, stop paying damn Planned Parenthood, they kill kids, he could say whatever he wants about Trump, Hannity, everything else, because he'd have a base. But he doesn't have a base because he's doing what Aaron did, and you had the right what Aaron described, and you had the right analogy with Rand Paul. He's essentially without a. You either like his personality or you don't. There's nothing else about him to like because he's telling you basically it's about me. Well, what which is ironic because if you know Ben, he's very unassuming and doesn't want to make it about him. But because he doesn't stand up and fight on Philip Klein at the Examiner's got a devastating piece on him today talking about his health care background, and he's offered nothing on health care reform or Obamacare reform for three years in the Senate. So wh- what is this about? 
What are we doing? You know, it's the Dela, what was the Delamitri song back in the '90s? Driving with the brakes on. That's what that's what this is. <laughs> to what end is is, is and why, I, I'm all for picking fights. I, I don't care if we Miller. I can listen. I'll come up right now. I'll start texting you on a list, folks in our movement. We need to go Miller's Crossing on by noon. I, I got this. I got a list. I keep it in my head. But if we're not, why air the list unless we're going to go do to Miller's Crossing? You know what I'm saying? Right. You're- what what is he? What he? If you're if there's nothing to accomplish with this, yes. then all you're doing is pissing people off. Yeah. Another cinematic reference. Steve's basically saying if you're going to do this, you go uh, full Paul Hogan. That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to belabor this. I, I think maybe Sass thinks that that part of this will let others on maybe who are disgusted with the Trump movement or the other side see how reasonable we can be. If that is the case. Ben Sass is not who maybe a lot of people hoped that he was or mm-hmm. maybe think that he was. And that's that's kind of disappointing. All right, uh, next one. We need to move on here. This is from Dustin Turner. A Mountain West team plays in a New York New Year's, New Year's uh, Day Bowl. I think he means like is, what New represents Year's New Year, yeah. Yeah, the, the group of five in the New Year's Six. Yeah. Well, that would be Boise State. You know what? I think I see what Dustin's doing here. He's, he's, he's putting a marker down on Utah State right now. With that quarterback, Julian Love, how many points do I get for dropping the name of Utah State starting quarterback? How many points do I get for None, that? because I know you. Of course you know that. <laughs> you, know, you, know, um, you know the start, the pulling guard on that team, too. Not quite that. Um, watch buy, him, watch him in like two seconds. He's going to remember. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will buy that between San Diego State, Utah State, um, it's it's the most likely. Well, no, I'm going to sell. sell. I'm going to sell because <laughs> yeah. I forgot about Central Florida, Cincinnati, yeah. all the teams in the American. So no, Gotta I'm going to sell. I, I can see Dustin is trying to represent for Utah State. Would be my guess. Props for that, but sell. Props for the move, but I'm, I'm going to sell. I think you're wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we can get to one more. Um, oh, such Mavis says now that Disney has 21st Century Fox, they will finally make a good Fantastic Four movie I'm going to sell. I'm going to totally buy. If there's one property I know they will manage well, it's this one. Because it's a family of superheroes. Have they made movies? Does Disney have any past record of success making a movie or two about a family of superheroes? They do. Todd. My thing is... It's, 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 it, I, my thing I've is watched like, two of them, and it was incredible. My thing is, the, the Michigan <laughs> Michigan State game uh, this weekend, I want Michigan to show me. Okay? I, I'll believe it when I see it, but until then, I'm going to sell. If there's one thing... Yeah, all they did was beat Wisconsin. I agree with you, Aaron, totally. Here we go. <laughs> no, we're, Aaron and I are now in the same camp. It's awesome. Uh, we are the you're world. My, you're my best friend Perpe- now. My team's perpetually in- overrated Iowa fan yes. versus smug Wisconsin fan, <laughs> and now they're ganging up on me. Good Lord. You're the new conservative hero of my heart, Todd. <laughs> All right, so if you have some time today, leave us a five-star review today, please, for the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Until tomorrow. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.